This is the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Hurley. Season 4, Episode 14. Police Chiefs Continue to Resign Across the Nation. Since the killing of George Floyd in late May and the Black Lives Matter protests that began in Minneapolis, demands for police reform have rolled across the country. Beginning with the most extreme such demand and the vote by the Minneapolis City Council to abolish the police, it seems that every police department in this country has been touched by the winds of change. Police reform is taking place with calls to partially defund the police force, as in San Francisco, and to divert those savings to fund social programs. San Francisco plans to close its downtown county jail number four at the Hall of Justice. Admittedly, it is a somewhat decrepit 62-year-old institution, which occupies the top three floors of the Hall of Justice, which was opened in 1958. But the department itself, the San Francisco Police Department, that is, seems to be on an even keel as compared to police departments in other regions of the country. The chief of police in most American cities is appointed by the duly elected mayor of the city and serves at his or her pleasure. City councils tend to control the city budget for police and all other city departments for that matter. As a result, the position of chief tends to be a highly politicized job with senior command staff also being named by the mayor. The mayor obviously wants to have an ally in the form of the police chief and the senior command staff. It's understandable that a mayor wishes to have a chief and a team who support his or her political philosophy and their community goals. At the same time, a mayor has to be certain that the chief enjoys the confidence and support of the rank and file officers within the department. Assuming that the mayor and the chief are on the same page politically, the mayor can run political interference on the political front with the community and other political stakeholders, while the police department maintains order and law and order in the city. Voters expect a mayor and a chief to keep them safe, to protect their lives and their property. Rising crime rates, exploding murder rates, increased burglaries are statistics that can cut short a mayor's political career. So it's both in the mayor's interest and the chief's interest to make sure that the police department is being managed in a, an efficient way consistent with the mayor's political goals and most importantly with the needs of the citizens of the city and the county. 
So the fact that a big city mayor and police chief have is simple. And they must communicate well. And their political futures will progress or decline in tandem if they do communicate well. Of course, there will always be some tension in such a relationship with the mayor directly answerable to voters, but the chief and the mayor do need each other. That simple relationship dynamic seems to have been turned on its head since the George Floyd incident. Street protesters and community activists have loudly and angrily demanded change from the police and it seems that most big city mayors have capitulated to those demands. As a result, the calibrated relationship between mayors, police chiefs, and the rank and file police officers has become seriously derailed over the last four months. And this seems to be right across the nation. Police officers in cities like New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago are requesting early retirement, or they're transferring to smaller suburban forces with less social turmoil. And recruitment of new officers for big city police forces is plummeting as morale in the ranks takes a nosedive. And stuck in between the mayor and the rank-and-file officers of the police department is the chief of police, who effectively has two bosses, the mayor on the one hand, who appointed him, and the rank-and-file police officers, which he or she leads. The breaking points have been all too common over the summer in, these, in this critical relationship. And in today's podcast, we'll focus on five police departments across the country who have lost their chiefs and explore the reasons why. Rochester, New York, is the third largest city in the state of New York, behind New York City and Buffalo. <clears throat> Rochester lost its chief and its senior command staff just yesterday, Tuesday. Chief Laurent Singletary is a 20-year-plus veteran of the Rochester force, and he resigned, stating that he was a man of integrity and his character had been impugned. The city of 203,000, which sits on the shores of Lake Ontario, has a police department of 850 people, both sworn and civilian staff. Mayor Lovely Warren appeared to be taken by surprise by the mass resignations by the mayor and command staff. And those resignations were triggered by the death of an African-American man in March while in police custody. The state attorney general of the state of New York has impaneled a grand jury to investigate the charges of, of excessive force by the police, and 
is investigating Chief Singletary in particular. The chief had actually told the mayor that the suspect, David Prude, had died of a drug overdose. However, the video of the incident shows a naked Mr. Prude being forced to wear a spit hood and held down by police officers. He was held down for approximately two minutes and subsequently became unconscious. He died in hospital one week later. He clearly had been suffering some kind of a psychotic episode. He had been taken in for a mental evaluation earlier in the day before his encounter with the Rochester police in March. Protest ensued when the video was released last week, and calls were made for the chief to resign. But without the full support of Mayor Warren, Chief Singletary felt he had no option but to step down. The very same day, the first female African-American chief of the Dallas Police Department in Dallas, Texas, resigned. Dallas is a city of 1.3 million people, and it's home to 10 Fortune 500 companies, as well as 40 universities and colleges within the greater Dallas area. It has a police force of 3,007 sworn officers. The chief, Hugh Renee Hall, had been recruited from Detroit in 2017. However, during the Floyd demonstrations, the city council became dissatisfied with her leadership and argued that the police had been using excess force against the demonstrators during May and June and into July. At the same time, Dallas was experiencing a sharp increase in crime, and the city council felt that the chief had not gotten her arms around the department. When quizzed about her performance as chief by the city council, inexplicably, she rated herself as a C-. That self-assessment of her handling of the Floyd riots was likely the last straw for the city council. She has resigned, and no replacement has been announced as yet to lead Texas' third-large police department after Houston and San Antonio. Again, the political pressures on Mayor Johnson and the city council, both from voters and city residents, who were experiencing a crime wave, as well as the protesters in the streets who were saying that the police had been unduly harsh in their treatment of the demonstrators, that pressure coming from all those constituencies made it almost impossible for them to run political interference for the chief or for the Dallas Police Department. And as a result, she has resigned. A department and its chief 
can, which cannot rely on the mayor's office to shield it from the day-to-day -day criticism of the public will lose confidence in its own ability to enforce the law. And that's what we're seeing across the country. The city of Atlanta has a population of 500,000, but the greater Atlanta metro area is 6 million people. The police department has 1,770 officers and until last month was headed by Erica Shields, a member of the LGBTQ community. A lifelong careerist with the Atlanta Police Department, she had advanced through the ranks over three decades. However, a fatal police shooting of a black man in June led to several nights of rioting after the George Floyd demonstrator demonstrations had died down. Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms quickly announced that the shooting had been unjustified and that the police officer responsible should be immediately fired. That early determination by the mayor, who reportedly was on Joe Biden's shortlist for vice president, drove a wedge between the chief and the mayor. The chief, realizing that she had lost the confidence of the mayor, announced her resignation quickly. But the mayor, instead of looking to the senior command staff for a replacement chief, reached far down into the ranks for a non-command officer who was relatively junior and not part of the established leadership team of the department. And that, of course, was taken as a snub by the senior command staff of the department. The new chief is an African-American veteran of the force, as well as a native Atlantan. Seattle, with a population of 753,000, is the largest city in the state of Washington. And of course, it's a tech hub for the Pacific Northwest and an important cog in the wheel of the American high-tech economy. The Seattle Police Department has 1,300 officers and was headed up by Chief Carmen Best, the first African-American female to hold that post and a 28-year veteran of the force. She was selected by Mayor Jenny Durkin, who unwisely tolerated the creation of a commune in a six-square-block area of Seattle. It was called the Chaz Commune, which stands for Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. Chief Best was ordered to withdraw the force from one of the police stations in the Chaz Commune. And that was a decision that didn't sit well with the businesses in the neighborhood, nor with the citizens as a whole of Seattle. However, the chief loyally followed the direction of the mayor, Mayor Durkin, and she seemed to keep the rank and file of the Seattle Police Department on her side during the summer. But then the radical Seattle City Council 
punitively moved to cut Carmen Best's salary and that of the command staff. Further, the city council trimmed the department budget by $4 million and then reduced the police force by 100 officers to quote unquote reimagine the Seattle Police Department. Chief Best resigned from the department, much to the chagrin of the inept Mayor Durkin. Finally, Portland, Oregon has been the scene of over 100 consecutive nights of protest since early June. With a population of 653,000 and a police force of 900, the mayor, Ted Wheeler, has been in the news for overly permissive policies towards the protesters. In fact, one of the protesters, a member of the Patriot Prayer, was killed by Antifa on August 29th. Mayor Wheeler forced the resignation of Chief Resch. She was the, the city's female police chief, and she had only been on the job for less than a year. As in the case of Atlanta, the mayor insisted on passing over the senior command staff for her replacement as chief. Instead, he reached into the ranks and he named African-American officer Chuck Lavelle as the replacement chief. Wheeler has demonstrated an ineptitude in managing the riots, which come to his own, which have come to his own high-rise condominium in Portland, and the rioters, in fact, tried to burn it down. Again, a failure of leadership and an inability to support Chief Resch has left Portland in dire straits. That said, we wish Chief Lavelle all the best and good luck going forward. He certainly has his work cut out for him. These five examples of big city police departments in turmoil are likely indicative of what is going on behind the scenes in other cities across the country. When a mayor becomes beholden to the shifting demands of the mob, such as Mayor Durkin in Seattle, Mayor Wheeler in Portland, or Mayor Fry in Minneapolis, the chief of police is hard pressed to do his or her job and morale in the police department tanks. Police reform was never going to be easy, but as a prerequisite to any change, the mayor and the chief must be on the same page. And a failure to work in tandem can only lead to poor law enforcement results. My sources for today's podcast include USA Today, Wikipedia, and the New York Times. This is the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Hurley, reporting from America's favorite city, San Francisco.